Welcome to Hope on Air, where we give you encouragement for today and hope for tomorrow. Welcome back to Hope on Air. We're glad to have you join us. It is Ty and I yet again. Today, our topic is the cost of following Jesus. Awesome, awesome. Well, as always, welcome, and let's start off with the word of prayer. Luke, you want to lead us this time? Let's do it. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we get for me and Ty to both discuss and our listeners here. We pray that we would all be encouraged that we would all be challenged, and that all of this today would glorify you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, Luke. Thank you, sir. Why don't you kind of kick us off with our topic here? Yeah. And yeah, tell our listeners what we're talking about, yeah. why, why we think it's important for today and uh, just relevant in our culture today. This kind of started over, I was in my Bible reading and it was going through Luke, and <laughs> Ty gave me that look. Luke, why are you reading through your own book? It's not my <laughs> book. I was named after it. It wasn't named after me. I'm not famous. It is. But um, I came across a passage that I had like never noticed before in my Bible, and I was like, wow. That's Jesus. always a fascinating reality, huh? When you come across something just brand new and you're going, what in the world? Where was this 10 years ago? I definitely had read it before. Yeah. But it's it was just so stark and it was, they're challenging words. This podcast episode, it's going to have like the yellow banner at the top, you know, listen if you dare. Like these are strong words from Jesus that challenged me. Like I'm not saying, we're not reading this to you today. We're not challenging you guys because me and Ty have this figured out. Uh, we're just reading you what our Savior has said, and we are nowhere near this. So I'm just going to go ahead and read this. This is Luke chapter 14. If you ever want to reference this, Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25. It's a little bit longer of a passage. No worries. Take your time, Luke. But I'm going to read through it all if that's all right with you guys stick with me absolutely this one is worth listening through this is labeled in my bible the cost of being a disciple which is our title here we go verse 25 luke 14 a large crowd was following jesus he turned around and said to them if you want to be my disciples you must by comparison hate everyone else wow Everyone? And then he lists pretty much everyone. Your father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister. Yes, even your own life. So these are already strong words. Already, but it, he just continues. He continues. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. We can take a break in the reading if you want to talk about that first paragraph, because I think that is, I mean, we could just sit there. He goes on. I like what he continues with, but let's just stop there for a moment and 
talk about these strong words from our Savior. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really hard to hear the word hate. Yeah. Well, what is it? Two or three times just there, Luke? Yeah, I want if you want it quite by a few times, right? Hate everyone else. I thought, you know, I thought Jesus told me to love everyone. I'm not really understanding why you're telling me to hate my mother, wife, and children. You know. Yeah. So Jesus, what are you saying? What are you saying? And that's tough because we aren't Jesus. We we're two thousand years removed, and right, we can only interpret. Uh, we know everything is God breath. Jesus is God, and he cannot lie. He can't lie. So whatever he said, it, it's got purpose. So we're going to and we dig on this. And... Yeah, we want to just take a moment and pause here because if you're like me and Ty, you're not hearing this in your, uh, your average listening or your sermons at church. This is seems like it's not touched. Like I said, I read this and I was like, man, I have not heard this before. Yeah, so how are we able to, I think it also said, hate yourself. Is that correct? Yes. He says, yes, even your own life. After he said, hate everything else. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, he, following that, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Pretty emphatic. So hating yourself. To me, that looks like you're just, you're living a miserable life. Yeah. And I don't question. know, I don't know where you guys are at today. How if your life is quote unquote in check, or if it's if it's way off the the lines? But I certainly don't hate my life. I couldn't imagine what it means to go. Yeah, I hate my life. I feel very blessed to mm. be where I am. In the you know just mm. uh, just to be a person on this earth, mm. um, as sinful as it is. So Luke, what is it like? I think you're also similar minded here in just the aspect of not hating your life or hating, right. really hating other people. Right. Like this is explaining. What, hmm. What's this mean to you? Hmm. A few things I want to point out in the verse and then I'll try to answer your question there. It's two, two things are interesting to me. The very beginning of this verse, verse where it says a large crowd was following Jesus. Okay. So he's surrounded by a large crowd and, for some reason, it seems like Jesus decides that he needs to sh like sift through this crowd of those who are really following him and those that aren't. Well, it was definitely a shock, too. It's a shock to us to hear those words, but I assume, you know, to them it was, if not even crazier. This is the right. modern-day Messiah teaching, telling mm -hmm. us to hate people. Right. What's so, going on here? So we have the large crowd. That's aspect one. These aren't just his disciples who have already given up everything. And then number two, I think what you really have to remember is when he's talking about this hate of everyone, he's like, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. So it's a comparison of what, what it looks like to live for Jesus Hmm. versus hmm. living for yourself. Is that what you're saying? That's He's not literally saying you have to hate your father and mother. We know that. We know we're not supposed to hate our wife and children. That goes against so many other biblical principles. It's clearly by comparison, hate everyone else. But that is a stark contrast. So what he's saying is you are so into following Jesus 
that is so number one on your priority list that by comparison, you hate those closest to you and you hate your own life. Jesus means that much to you. And we were talking briefly before we turned on these mics, how my grandpa tells me this all the time, easy believism in America. We ought to bring up different stories in our podcast of throughout history, what it was like to be a Christian, because we really now, we, we aren't being persecuted for recording this podcast or following Jesus. And thank goodness for that, right? We have the luxury of being able to do this and mm. do ministry for God, mm. with God, um, whereas a lot of people don't have that. Right. And I couldn't imagine not being able to do this with you, Luke. It would be devastating. Yeah. So one thing I want to compare that verse to, Luke, is... Um, yeah, it's just so interesting. How does it compare to Jesus telling us to love our enemies, hmm. right? That's not the almost, well, it's the other extreme, loving people whom you hate, right? your enemy. So if we take that for truth, how can we yeah. compare the two? I think they actually relate well. Okay. Um, because when he says, by comparison, you must hate your own life, right? We don't like our enemies because they do things that hurt us. Ah, so it's a selfish ambition. It is. I mean, it's because of ourself. If we didn't care how we were treated and someone throws us in jail, it wouldn't be that big of a deal because we don't care. But because we obviously do care, we don't like when people insult us, when they throw us in jail or et cetera. And what he's saying is by comparison, right, you're loving Jesus so much that that gives you the power to love your enemies because Jesus is the number one and your life is no longer of that much value, right? Yeah, and thank goodness our lives aren't like Paul where mm. we did get thrown in jail for preaching the word. Right. right. I couldn't I couldn't even fathom that. What right. what would you do if I just suddenly I just disappeared, I was in jail, I was spreading the good news. Right. I mean, our faith in a sense has not been tested by fire yet. We have, we're in a Christian university. We're trying to do what, what we know to glorify God, to preach the gospel through this podcast or through our daily living. But honestly, I don't know how I would respond to tough persecution. And we can read his story, and that gives us so much hope to not give up and to keep even in jail in his darkest mm -hmm. hour. He was persevering. He was going, he was writing letters to the Corinthians, to so many people, to Timothy and these amazing letters, but also he's known as one of the most emotionally inclined writers. And I think there was so much, there was so much just emotion from the life he lived. And if we really think about it, are we much different than him? Hmm. Don't we also have the same emotion running within us? Yeah. But we just aren't expressing right. it as Paul did. Right. I don't think Paul necessarily, when he was getting persecuted, he wasn't 
he's just like us. We have to remember these Bible characters that we put up. They're just like us. I don't think he was smiling when they were, you know, persecuting him. He probably definitely hurt physically. He probably hurt emotionally from his friends betraying him. He just, in the back of his mind, he knew that God was just bigger and a better goal to pursue. Did he probably falter sometimes? I 100% believe he did. I'm sure. I'm sure that sometimes he was in absolute despair. And just because he didn't write like David did in the Psalms talking about his despair, he definitely had those moments. Oh, I'm sure he was grieved. Like we think about Jesus in Gethsemane, how he was. Yeah, that's a great example. He was uh, bleeding, you know, in a very unusual way. We were told he was sweating blood. Right. That's not normal, guys. (laughs) I hate to break it to you. That's um, (laughs) if you've ever done that, we recommend uh, treatment by your nearest doctor. Yeah, that's That's right. We recommend. (laughs) That's right. No, but back to Paul, I think. He was just, it was so apparent he was living for God. Uh, he writes this in 1 Corinthians. It's one verse 31 in the first chapter. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Hmm. What made him write that? He's saying, okay, you guys are so prideful, huh? You think you're, you think you're big shots, huh, the Corinthians? Well... Maybe, but why don't you boast in the Lord Mm. something worthwhile? Mm. He's saying there's so much hope here. You're missing it. You're missing the target. Let's boast in the Lord and focus on him rather than these other things. Mm. Can we do that today, Luke? I mean, how can we spread that to people today? Yeah. Talking about Paul made me think about our conversation earlier as well as to we look at Paul and all he was able to handle and we're like, I could never do that. Well, guys, it started with a single decision. Like maybe he had just a simple persecution or, you know, something like that. Like he knew he had a friend who was an atheist and Paul just decided, you know, I'm going to stand up. That's where you start. You believe God, you make a small step today and that makes the next stand for God easier and easier. Paul didn't start by, you know, people throwing stones at him immediately. Although Paul did have a very different conversion than most of us did. Right. I don't think he hit instant spiritual maturity, you know, a day in either though. So I think the encouragement, like this is encouraging me, even thinking about it, we don't don't expect yourself to go out and be a Paul immediately. Start with that step. Stand up for God how you can right and then your your confidence will grow in god your faith your belief and then you'll continually be able to make those decisions one after the other right and you know what also happens as you as you're doing those tasks which you mentioned god will give you more he knows how much you can handle um right my mom actually brought this up in a perfect way before. And I I bring it up only to just bring it its importance to our, to our ears here. He's not going to give us too much. He knows our capacity for whatever challenges are ahead of us. God's been dealing with humans for over 
how many years, 4,000 years, whatever it is, you know, he knows humans quite, he created he us, invented right? invented them. He yes. invented them. That's he right. knows our limits. You can trust him. Yeah. That's to myself as to all of you. Yeah. It's, it's so like good. trying to buy from a sketchy brand. Who's going to buy from some sketchy brand that looks super fake? Nobody. You want to buy the genuine thing. Jesus is the genuine thing. So let's put our hope in him. Let's hope in him and not some other mm -hmm. off-brand Jesus. Yeah. And the off-brand Jesus that we often believe in is one that does not demand our entire heart, our entire soul, our entire mind, right? That's the command. Love the Lord your God with all those three things. And with our easy believism, we decide that the best route, because we're analytical, is the halfway approach. I'll go halfway in on Jesus. That earns me eternal life. Free ticket there. 401k, pension plan. That's all great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then I will live my life pretty much how I want the other half, you know, I'll live the other half how I want to have, enjoy the sins I enjoy, enjoy the decisions I enjoy. Because I love my life, I don't love Jesus enough to comparatively say that I hate my life. Yes. So we do need to hate our life. Sounds really weird to say, but we need to hate the worldly aspect of our life. We need to rid ourselves of as much sin as possible. And it comes in, it comes knowing that, I think that's a great point you brought up, because we are, without Jesus, that's what we are, is yeah. worldly. That's why you're able to hate your life, because that's who you are. That's what we are. Your identity changes once you believe in Jesus Christ. You become a child of God. And that hate brings conviction. That's the hope. We want this hate to bring conviction because you should hate that, oh my goodness, we're fallen, we're sinful by nature. We can't do anything about that. I can't time travel back in time and fix things. God, let me hate my life enough to change it, to want to change it. I think that's a great prayer. For the world. Yeah, I encourage you guys, just say, Jesus, I love you. Help me to sin less. Just pray that. I've I've found that prayer super powerful hmm. and you may be sinning and not even know it. That's the scary thing. You may not even know it. So just saying that prayer, Jesus will come through. I think after reading, I think we're not we're not going to be able to go through the rest of this. We might have to make this a two-parter tie. But on this verse here, you know, hate your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. I feel like that one guy in the Bible who said, Lord, help my unbelief. <laughs> help my unbelief because everything in us tells us to love our life because this is all we have. We're going to die someday. You know, that's every graduation speech. Yeah, uh, it is. You're going to fail, but get back up. This is your life. Make the choices you want to make. Go get it. Go do it. Just do it. Whatever the Nike thing is, Ty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, that's what we're told because we're earthly minded. This is the only life you have. Well, let me, this is encouraging news. 
This is not the only life you have, and this is not the life worth living for. That's right. Yeah, how about instead of inserting your name into live your life, live God's life. Right. Live for God. Jesus' life. Mm-hmm. Live for an audience of one. Mm. That's personally my motto. Um, I can't say it's mine. I stole it, but <laughs> I, I love it just because hey, that's it, good. it helps me it, keep in check, stay in check. Mm. Um, if I'm having an off day and I'm going, wow, what, what am I doing? I spent all my time doing worthless things. Like, was that really for an audience of one? Or was that for me? Was that for Ty? And I just, I have to keep myself aware of that question Mm. or else if I'm not reminding myself, I wander off. Just looking at your day, am I living for this earth or am I living for the real life that comes after this life? I think all those questions we just asked are great questions all of us can when we're deciding or evaluating how we're currently living and don't get frustrated with yourself. It's natural to live for your own life. It's natural to live for your for your own ambitions. We love ourselves by nature. Instead of getting down on yourself, pray. God, give me a new heart. God, increase my faith. Because yeah. obviously I'm struggling. That's that's what we all have to do. None of us are none of us are God. That's what we keep telling you. You know, you're not enough, but God is. Believe and pray in him. Continuously worship him in all that you do and let that lead your life. And with that, we're going to close. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we hope to see you next time. Take care.